lot of things happened and uh, a lot of good things and some rough things and some tough things. And I know Joy went through and, and talked a little bit about that. But what I've seen in the last four or five months here at ABC has given me hope in God's plan. Amen. And it, God's plan hasn't changed. I, I want to make that very clear. It's just sometimes we don't see it very clearly. Sometimes we're trapped in, and stuck in the weeds and, and, and we're, we're looking at something very short-sighted and, and we don't see how God can work through a rough thing. But I think even through the hard times here in this last year that God has just shown up even stronger. That through this, that God has shown up and shown off. And it's almost like when we're knocked down to our knees and when we have to call out to God and the only way things are going to get better is if he shows up, then we know it's Jesus that did it. Amen? And, and that's what I really desire for our church is, is when people talk about us outside of here or when they learn about us or hear about what we're doing, that they say there is no way those people could do that except by God. Really, I want us to accomplish more than we can accomplish because God's doing it. Amen? So, so what I'm saying is, is I want us to go further than it's possible in 2020 because God's the one that's leading the way, because God's the one that's doing the work, because God's the one that is accomplishing his purpose and his will. And, and what he wants for us. How many of you have already broken your 2020 resolution? Anyone messed up this year yet? Oh, you guys are doing really well. Like I thought, well, you know, I, my plan was to lose weight before Christmas. That didn't work very well. It was a bad idea. But like that's one of mine is like I need to get in better shape physically and everything else. And and I read a cartoon that, that states it pretty well. I should have just made my goal to not gain weight. <laughs> like, if I, if I did that, I'd be doing well. Like, hey, 2020, I want to stay the same size and not have to go buy all new clothes. Um, but, like, there's other bigger goals that we have other than just health and things like that. Uh, that I think often what we do is we create this idea about what we want to do or who we want to be at the end of the year. And when we fall off the wagon and we don't get there and, you know, week three or week two or day one, we mess up, then we say, well, I guess next year will be my year. <laughs> and, and it kind of becomes, I'm going to change tomorrow. Have you ever heard that one? Or on Monday, I'm going to start this. Or you, maybe you've done that yourself. And, and what I see in scripture is there is something to new beginnings. And and forever, people have celebrated new beginnings, you know, new years and, and new birthday years. And, and there's ways to, to, to gear that towards the change that you want. And I believe that God wants all of us to change in some ways. And I don't, I don't think he expects any of us to stay the same. And Heather said it a little bit earlier. She said, you know, if you're not growing closer to Jesus then you're slipping away from him in some way. And, and that's absolutely accurate. It's like the bicycle metaphor. You, your faith is like the bicycle, and you're on the bike, and if you're not moving forward, what happens? You can't stay balanced. You have to put your feet down, or you, boom, fall down. 
And that's kind of how life is. You have to have a focus and you have to have a drive and you have to have a little bit of a pedal to it to accomplish things. Otherwise, what happens is you fall down and you get in despair and, and, and it becomes a lot tougher. It's a lot easier to steer. How many of you remember cars without power steering? Right? How many of you have had your power steering start to go out on you? You realize that real quick. Well, the interesting thing with that is it really doesn't bother you when you're going 60. But the slower you go, the harder it is to steer in the right direction. And I think sometimes that's the way it is with our faith. We think, well, I just want to kind of keep it quiet. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of a rough patch right now. I'm just going to slow down. I want to challenge you for 2020 that if you start hitting a rough patch spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, don't pull away. Don't pull away. Instead, try to get closer to Jesus in that moment. Ask God, hey, what are you trying to show me through this moment? How are you trying to teach me? And actually go a little bit faster in your faith. And I think God will let you steer a little bit, a little bit better. Here's, here's what I know. We always overestimate the change that will occur in the short term and underestimate the change that will occur in the long term. That means that like, I usually think I can accomplish more in a week than I can, but I underestimate how much I can accomplish in five years and 10 years. Now, we're in 2020, it's the beginning of a new decade, and I started thinking about where I was 10 years ago. I started thinking about what I was doing, how big my family was. Man, if God had told me how many kids I would have, <laughs> Kim, and how, how quickly things could change, uh, I'd be like oh, a little bit overwhelmed, right? He gives us grace and guides us, and, and you don't even know half the story of what Emily left me with when she left the kids with me this morning. <laughs> so one of our, one of our kids... Uh, the, the younger one, one of one of yeah, um, he he's been he's <laughs> not going to say anything now. Okay, he's great, he is awesome, but he's been delaying uh, some number ones lately, and so we had to have an emergency shower this morning, <laughs> and uh, Emily's walking out the door and she goes, "I'll see you at church," and I said, "Maybe." <laughs> uh, but uh, amen to God giving us grace, amen? And, and God is a much better father than I am. I'm still like, man, um, I, I feel like sometimes I've grown impatient, and then I turn around, <laughs> and I see what's going on. Uh, but th this is what God does in, in our lives. I think a lot of times he, he builds up our roots, and it feels like everything is moving incredibly slow. And things aren't progressing the way that we want them to. But if you've ever seen a tree that gets too top-heavy in a strong wind, what happens to it? It either rips out of the ground or it snaps, right? Because the trunk isn't solid enough or the roots aren't uh, deep enough. Maybe the ground was too compact and it didn't have a chance to get its roots down deep. Here's what happens in our life all the time is, is our roots are supposed to be going down and into him and spreading out into him. And, and, and it says that we're to be like a tree planted by the water. So like a tree planted by the river and its, its roots go out deep and wide and it stretches into him. 
And, and a lot of the times what I want is the immediate microwave growth of a grass where it just springs up, right? It's like a bamboo. It'll shoot up, but that doesn't last very long because all it takes is a strong wind. All it takes is a mower to knock grass over. If I went over to the tree that's in my front yard and put my mower on it, it would take a while and I'd probably get hurt. But that's how God wants to grow your faith. So when, when you're feeling frustrated with it, keep doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. And we talk a lot about that. You know, it, it's daily scripture reading. Get some Bible in you. If you're not a reader, there is a wonderful thing called a phone. And on your phone, you can put a Bible app and you can listen on your drive. I sometimes, you know, listen when I'm getting ready uh, in the mornings and the, and, and I, it's so easy to do that, to get God's word in you, to fill you up. And that's one of the ways that we grow. Another way is through prayer. And you can even pray when you're listening to scripture. Lord, what does this mean? Show me how to use this in my life. And, and then the other way I think that we grow and, and sometimes we neglect this is through other Christians and other believers around us. And that's where and why community church attendance is so important and Sunday school and, and small group type things and why this is so important to even go out with a, a Christian believer and friend and talk with them over lunch. This is important stuff that, that we're called to and these things add to our growth over time. But I do know there's no such thing as an overnight success. And there's some people that look like all they have is success after success in their life. But I, I'll tell you one thing, like Elon Musk was not born, and then day two, he was CEO, okay? And some of you don't know who that is. That's okay. Yeah. And what I'm saying is nobody gets into the top level of where they're at right off. No baby is born a natural-born leader. You don't see that. Uh, God creates these things, and he grows us in these things, and he disciplines us through this. And so we need to take the long-term view of what he's doing in our hearts and our lives. So when I talk about what we're going to do in 2020, I'm looking and viewing that as part of the 2020s, okay? So we need to, to go beyond just one year. Think about where you want to be in five years. Think about who you want to be in 10 years, how you want your family to look, how you want your kids to be growing up. You know, maybe some of your kids at that point that are in high school and in upper age, they may be married at that point in 10 years from now, in 2030. Think about that. Some of you are panicking right now. <laughs> you know, in, in, in 2030, I, I haven't even thought about, you know, my kids are going to be about out, some of them are going to be out of the house by that point. Some of them are going to be off making the decisions that will form the rest of their life. And, and I think God could do a tremendous amount of work in a short time, but often, often he uses small little steps to get us there. Small little baby decisions. And the disciplines of our faith are those small decisions that can equate into a very different day and a different year and a different 10 years. If you think about it, if you read the scripture every morning and that became part of your life and part of your mode of operation, this is just who you are now, it's in your DNA, then that word becomes alive and active in your heart and your life. And then when you face the difficulty, you have God's wisdom with you. And because of God's wisdom, you make a better decision. You don't blow off the handle when that tough thing comes. And now you're, you've changed your life in some way, in little ways. A lot of the little decisions we make have big impact. And, and those of us that are older know that. Some of you know it even better, better than, I, than I do. So I've been joking about how the year of 2020 is the year of vision, because 
20, 20. Yeah, you guys all know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It was a bad joke, okay? Uh, my favorite um, little picture with words on it, I'm not even going to say what it is, um, was I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. <laughs> I thought that was kind of fun. Some of you don't know who that is. All right. Proverbs 29, 18. This is the word of God, okay? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who what? What's the law? The law is that we have to go, you know, 30 miles an hour down some street. And that's not what we're talking about right here. That's a good idea to keep that law too. The law is what? What is the law? How are we going to keep it if we don't know what the law is, right? How are we going to keep it if we don't know what the law is? The law is God's word. So, so David said, I meditate on your law. I meditate on your word day and night that I might not sin against you. How do you know what God wants of you unless you know his law and what he's asking of you? And some of you say, well, I'm not living under the law anymore. I'm, in the, I'm a New Testament Christian, and God's given me grace. He has given you grace, but he hasn't nullified his law. And the truth is, God's principles are laid out very clearly in Scripture on finances, family, and life. And if we don't abide by his guidelines for that, then we're putting and setting ourselves up for a world of pain because God created order in the world, and now we're trying to live in disorder, in our own order. We're trying to reorder God's creation and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, and Scripture says uh, not to, to cure bad debt. It says not to build up negative debt and not to buy on credit and these types of things. Because if you do that, this is what it says. If you do that, it doesn't say you'll go to hell. It doesn't say that you'll be judged by God. It says you will be slave to the lender. What does that mean? That means that your first dollar that you make, your first pennies that you make, that first hour to whatever it is, all of that has to go to the person that you borrowed from first. So it's very practical wisdom that God gives us all throughout Scripture, and sometimes we want to break down and say, well, this is practical and this is spiritual. It's all the same. God has gifted us with his law. And here's what it says. If we don't have the vision that God has for us, then all of us will throw off any restraint, which is the law again. It's the guidelines and boundaries. And do our own thing. But blessed is he who what? Keeps the law. So we have to know the law first in order to keep it. And, and not only this, I think this is true of businesses. I think this is true of churches. So many churches are showing up on Sunday morning to have good worship and good preaching and to hug you know, the people that they like and to avoid the ones they don't like and, and to shake hands with the people that smell right. And then they go home and that's the, that's the whole thing. But here's what I think God wants for the church. I think he wants us to have a prophetic vision. What is a prophetic vision? A prophetic vision is a God-given idea and picture of a preferred future that we're going to head towards. What kind of church are we going to be? We are not a church that we just show up and we say, well, good job. I went to church this morning. Yay for me. God gave me a gold star up in heaven. No, no. I think that God has us here for a mission and a purpose. Amen? And I think that mission and purpose 
and, and that you are so valuable and you have God-given skills and talents and abilities and passions, and God is going to use that to see his kingdom grow. That you being here should matter to people that aren't here yet. That you being here and growing in Jesus should impact others. Because what I do know is that every interaction that we have with other people influences them in some way. You may not think of yourself as a leader, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be leading other people to Jesus in different ways. It doesn't mean you have to preach to them. It doesn't mean you have to open up Romans Road to them. But it may mean that you're giving them a hug, that you're giving them a smile, that you're telling them that you're praying for them and you're actually praying for them. So we have to have a prophetic vision, an idea. And too many churches, I think, their idea is we're going to have a good church service. Guys, really, I would much rather that we obey God than we, than we have a good sermon. I would much rather that, that we do what he wants us to do than to walk away feeling like that was, that was a good church service. Because I think we're missing the whole point of, of what the church is called to be if we're just trying to be entertained or if we're just trying to be comfortable or if we're just trying to feel good. Those things can happen, amen? But I think God has called us to a greater purpose than just attendance. So, so when I think of 2020, I, I wrote down a few things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down because I want you to hold me accountable to these too. When I think of what we can accomplish and what we can do, I don't know all of it. I don't know what lies ahead, but I have a pretty good picture in my mind of what I think God is calling us to do as a church. And, and so I want to give you that picture because I don't want you to think that we are a rudderless ship here, that we're just drifting in the ocean. But I think God has called us to be a church that ministers to people uh, differently than maybe some other churches and differently than we have in the past. So number one, number one. It says, blessed he is, keep the law, there is no where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast it off. So here's, here's some things I think God is leading us in. Number one, we will see more people involved in their spiritually gifted ministry than we ever have. Well, actually, the, wow, the number one's different on here. <laughs> we will double the people actively serving on Sunday morning. So we have about 18 people, so our goal is 36 this year. It's a very defined goal, okay? We may blow that out of the water. That'd be great. If you guys all said, hey, I want to serve in some way, we would find jobs and positions for you in order to have you serving here. Because here's what I do know, that when we serve, we get excited. And not only that, when we serve, God uses us and speaks to us differently. And when we're actually in God's will and the purpose he has for us, then he grows us. And, and sometimes it's, it's simple things. I mean, it could be putting inserts into the bulletins sometimes on Sunday mornings. It could be opening up the door for other people. It could be greeting people um, when they come into the, the building. It could be simple things like that. But when we see more people involved in their spiritually gifted ministry than we ever have, then I think we will see God move. Amen? We'll see double the people. That's specifically what it is. Double the people serving on Sundays that we currently have. Because I know that God wants you to be involved in church. Amen? I want this to be your church. I don't want it to be, well, Pastor Ben's church or whatever. I want you to take some ownership in this and, and actually live it out and be a part of who we are. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can serve. We have teams that serve. We have Sunday school classes. You know, we, we probably need a few more of those. We have 
uh, a lot of different needs. If you want to figure out how to serve, come and talk to me, all right? But we actually have a plan of how to do this, too. I'm not just stating this, but we're going to have a different sermon on that later of how we're going to do it. Just to say that if you look in your bulletin, we are going to be having another 24 to double meeting, and there's going to be a team that's specifically set up to get people that are here serving and the new people that come in serving. Amen? By week three. <laughs> Guys, I want to be aggressive this year. I don't know how long we have. When I say I've got 10-year idea, five years, I don't know if we have that long before Jesus is coming back. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leverage everything that we have to reach people and to get people active. You know what happens if you sit too long in a pew? You pew. <laughs> you need to get moving in the church, amen? I was studying this because I, I just accidentally fell across a blog, you know? And it, it said that here's how pews started. Well, the Greek Orthodox Church and all the other churches didn't have pews. They didn't have seats. They would have two in the back or maybe one chair for the elderly people. And everyone would have to stand for the four-hour service. And I said, amen, we're starting that next Sunday. <laughs> so you, all you are like, I'm going to a different church. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But, but here's the idea, guys. We are not, we are not called to sit. We are not called to sit around. We are called to, to take on the world. We are called to be active. And sometimes I feel like it's a bunch of us sitting forward and looking forward instead of thinking of the church as this organism that's moving and active. And that's what we're called to do. Okay, so I, I need to keep moving. So we're going to see double the people serving on Sunday. Some of those are going to be you. Some of those people aren't even here yet. Uh, okay. We will also see uh, children and adults excited to come to the church that they serve at. Oh, we're also going to get our slides right. Oh, no, that's my fault. Our current leaders will grow in their ability to delegate responsibilities. This is actually better. All right, our current leaders will grow in their ability to delegate responsibilities. How many of you are a manager of somebody at work? You are over them. Maybe you're a tra trainer. You uh, lead people in some way. I see hand. Come on, don't be shy. Put your hands up. Come on. Some of you are right now lying to me. Lord, I, I ask for forgiveness over them. <laughs> uh, our current leaders in the church will grow in their ability to delegate responsibilities. If we're going to have more people serving than ever, then we need people that are going to release some of those people to serve. Amen? And we'll guide them and train them and instruct them and mentor them. And that's where our leaders need to learn this. And our teams are going to be pulling people in that aren't officially elected on their teams in order to accomplish the purpose of the team. Amen? So, so when I think of our, our ministry team, we already do this in some ways, but we need to think about this functionally. I'm just going to use it as an example. That we, we think of, well, who's going to be doing this? Like, who does the offering in the morning? Well, we have the kids do it. They're not officially on the team, but they're a part of our ministry team. Amen? Because they serve. Because they, they do these things. And I think some of our best leaders are probably under 10. But they need to be released and delegated to do things. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to think of these things. We're going to be really processing. Okay, what am I doing right now as a leader in this position? And should I be doing it? Am I the only one that could do it? Or should I be delegating this responsibility to someone else? And, and that we're going to grow in that. Because here's what happens when we delegate responsibilities. God releases us to something else. And it's like, it's like a giant staircase. When you're standing at the bottom of it, you're like, oh, I can walk up that one. And then you're like, well, I, I've gone far enough, but God's calling you to go up to the next one, okay? And if you go up to that next step, guess what? That step below you is empty, right? 
So what happens? Somebody can step up on that step. Well, you're now blocking the path again, aren't you? So you have to move up a step. Here's what happens. This is how God builds his church. And, and sometimes some of us are lead, as leaders, we're waiting to go 10 steps up above everyone else before we ask them to come up one step, but they can't hear us at that point. So we need to understand that we don't have to be a whole lot more functional or better than the people that are serving with us. We just need to know one step more than they do. And when we do that, we can pull them up with us. Amen? Is that, is that clear? So, so God, God wants us to delegate. You see this in Scripture all of the time. Well, one of the most clear ones is when Moses was out in the desert. And Moses had a problem because all of the time he was out there, uh, he had people come to him from the very break of dawn to the late into the night. They would come before him and say, Moses, my sister Sally stole my favorite cookie, and you need to bring law on her. And so Moses would have to make a decision about a cookie. I'm making the cookie part up. You're not going to find that in Scripture, okay? But it says they were bringing all the small little problems to Moses instead of accomplishing what uh, God wanted him to do. And his, his father-in-law came to him. And sometimes father-in-laws are incredibly smart. Other times, not so much. <laughs> sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're really good. And, and his father-in-law came and said, what are you doing? Here's what you need to do. You need to delegate. You need to set up groups of leaders. So one is over 10, and then another one is over 20, and those, those 10 leaders are under this leader. And then under that is thousands and 5,000s and 10,000s. And then you only see the cases that move all the way up through the system. You only see and hear the problems that no one else can solve. And Moses did that, and he was able to sleep at night. And his ulcers went away. And he was able to lead a lot better, and the people were happier because of the wisdom that Jethro gave. So we'll see, uh, we'll see delegation happen. All right, number three. We will grow new people into service through the Holy Spirit's guidance, mentoring, and systematic teaching. Okay? Notice a lot of these are similar. I don't have a lot of very crazy goals. It is just like this is, this is what God's calling us to do. We'll grow new people into service through the Holy Spirit's guidance, mentoring, and systematic teaching. So the Holy Spirit calls people into himself, not us. The Holy Spirit saves people, not me, not you. Now he uses us. God can use us, but the Holy Spirit's the one that draws people. He's also known as the comforter, the encourager, and the teacher. Okay? So the Holy Spirit's guidance is going to give us confidence and also um, the ability to discern what he wants and who he wants and what position. And then... Through that, we are going to mentor. So again, the leaders that are already in leading positions are going to mentor and systematically teach uh, people how to do different things. And this includes both like things within the church and also just disciplines within the church. And when I say that, I, I'm talking about just how to run a family, how to, how to run your household, how to teach your kids godly wisdom, how to, how to be a dad, how to be a mom, how to be a sister, how to be a brother. We're going to go through those types of fun things, amen? Because when, when here, here's what happens. When all of your relationships are in chaos, then your relationship with Christ is probably in chaos too. If all your relationships are in chaos, then the relationship with God's probably messed up too because God said to do what? What did he say the greatest commandment was? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the other is like it, to love others as yourself, right? So that's what, what's happening is sometimes we think we're all right with God, and we're like, I love God, but I can't stand people. Like, I want to go on the prayer retreat and just pray by myself, but I don't want to see any of his kids. Here's the deal. 
if, if you are all right with God's kids, you're not all right with God. Let's, let's get real, right? If you're not okay with, with God's kids, you're not all right. And let me play this out with you. If I come to you and say, I hate your kids, how many of you are still going to love me? No, most of you are going to slap me or hit me or find another meaner way to deal with me, right? If I, can't say, if I come to you and say, I can't stand your little brats, you guys are going to be mad at me. If someone comes to me and says that, I'm going to be mad at them, right? And this is what we do to God sometimes. We're like, Lord, I love you. I'm going to sing songs and worship you, but I don't like your kids. God's not happy with that. He's not pleased with that. You know what we need to pray for is a heart like God's heart, a father's heart, amen, amen? a mother's heart, amen? We, some of you guys, when you look around, you're upset and you're discouraged with other believers because you haven't taken the role you're supposed to. You're looking at them as brothers and sisters in Christ when you're more the mother or the dad, okay? You, you getting me? Like Timothy, Timothy was the child, a spiritual child of, of the apostle Paul in some ways. He's, he called him my son. Now, if it's your son, you're less ticked with them, aren't you? If it's your son that breaks something, you're not going to be as upset if it's somebody else that's always breaking your stuff, right? It's like, why are you always coming to my house and breaking my stuff? Well, that's because he was born here. <laughs> this is what's going on. So, so here's the thing. We need to understand our, our role and where we're supposed to be. Okay, moving on. What's the next one, Donnie? Give me a good one here. We'll see more people saved and baptized than ever before. Woo! We will see more people saved and baptized than ever before. The church is not called to be a bunch of holy rollers. We are called to be a hospital. And what we deal with is not band-aids. We deal with Jesus Christ and spirit-filled living and new life and resurrected life through Jesus Christ spiritually. Amen? And so we're going to see more people saved and more people baptized and going along with that kind of what we were talking about, the one before, if you want to really summarize that, we're going to see more people discipled. That's what that is. And that's the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize them in the name of Jesus. Amen? Make disciples, it says to do, not just converts. So we're going to do all of those things. We'll see more people saved and baptized than ever before, and we're going to, we're going to count it. Okay, what's the next one here? All right, we'll go back. All right, here, here's, here's, here's what I, I want to do. Oh, there we go. You and I will model an invitation culture of growth and evangelism at ABC. So the way we see the one previously done is by doing this, amen? Here, here's what I mean by that, is we're inviting all the time. I started something on Facebook. If you want to join up with it, I think it's public honor. So you go to facebook.com backslash come to ABC. And I started what I call the street team. How many of you have heard that terminology from way back when? You know, bands used to have street teams to go out, and, and rappers used to, did a wonderful job of marketing with it. Here, here's what we're doing. We're reposting videos all the time on Facebook, and we're sharing invites and inviting people through Facebook. Some of you are afraid to knock on somebody's door, but you will bother them on Facebook. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad for you. Hey, let's turn the trolls into Jesus savers, amen? So here's what I'm talking about. We share the posts and things, and I'm trying to make a video every week where I invite people to church because uh, I, I made a, a video this week, and I put a little bit of money where my mouth was, literally, and uh, I think we had 80, 70-some people play through the whole thing and close to 
1,700 impressions, which means 1,700 people had to look at my ugly face. But we're out there preaching the gospel, amen? We're out there inviting people. And, and Jesus said to go out into the highways and the byways, and this is like a highway right now. Facebook is a highway, guys. Whether or not you like it, it is a tool that we can use and take away from the enemy. I fully believe that we can use what God, for God, what, what the enemy meant for evil, all right? So we can do good things with that. Uh, invite people that way. Invite them face to face. Let them know that, that you want them near you. And not just invite them to church. Offer to sit with them, okay? Offer to bring them. And then even, hey, pay for a meal afterwards. Go to the one restaurant downtown. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's still open. Um, <laughs> and eat there. It'd be a good time. All right, so we, we will have an adoption, an invitation culture. We're going to be thinking all the time about what's the next thing we can invite people to. How can we make something special for them? How can we invite them in? And, and there's a lot more that will be involved in that coming, coming forward. We want to invite people. Amen. All right. So 2020 is the, the year of vision, not just because I think that we have one, but because I think we're going to start seeing some fruit take place. Amen. We're going to see some of those roots that were established, start to blossom and grow into trees. And, and I fully believe that. And here, here's, how many of you picked a word for the year? Joy talked about that. I, I want to share with you mine. It's kind of cheating because I have two words combined, okay? You know, my, my personal word is aggressive for this year. Some of you are like, tone it down, Ben. Aggressive. I want to, like, I want to go for it on fourth down, okay? I'm not punting. I'm done punting. You know, play to win. We're going to go for it on fourth down, and we are going to get the first down, right? Some of you have no clue. because stop, stop talking football, okay? Here's what I'm saying is I think for far too long the church has been afraid about what other people think instead of what Jesus thinks. And I'm tired of playing that game. Like, here's what I know. If God does a work here the way I think he wants to do a work here, people are going to talk smack about us. But we have to be okay with that. Because people do not like success unless it's theirs. And there's some people that are going to get jealous. So I talked about how I put that ad out yesterday. I had a, a, a gentleman in Alexandria, <laughs> some of you are laughing about it, who said, well, I didn't hear him talk about Jesus at all in that. And his name doesn't have Jesus in it at all or this or that. And I said, thank you, brother, for giving me a chance to talk about Jesus on here. And I, I talked about it. We're going to have, if we're out there, people are going to get upset. And we have to get over that. We have to have thicker skin than to worry about our feelings being hurt. Amen? If Jesus hung on the cross, my feelings can take a hit. If Jesus hung on the cross, my pride can get a punch in the gut. And maybe I'm wrong, and I'll reevaluate that. Like if someone comes at me and says, hey, you're doing this the wrong way, I have to listen to it and see if it's of God or the enemy, because the enemy is going to attack us when we're doing stuff for God. He is going to come at you. If you want to start living a righteous life, you want to start taking your family to church, I'm telling you, all the kids are going to pee their pants in the morning. <laughs> your tire is going to have a flat. The door is going to be ice shut. Why is it that when you are trying to do godly things, it seems like everything's against you? Because it is. You have declared a side. You have said, I am on God's side. And when you say you're on God's side, the enemy takes notice. And when he didn't care before what you were doing, he's going to try to stop you now. Because the last thing he wants you to do is get closer to Jesus and bring other people with you. Don't do that, is what he says. Please, anything. I want you to be a lukewarm Christian that just prays for yourself, believes for yourself, and asks for Christmas things. 
The last thing he wants you to do is be on your knees praying for the souls of those that are around you. Because he wants you playing defense and not offense. He wants you punting on every down. And some of us have punted on every. We get the football on first down, we punt it away. It's stupid. Some of us have done that. And instead, God wants us to have courage. Amen? God wants us to be aggressive with what he wants us to be aggressive with. Scripture says to be uh, as, as wise as a serpent and as innocent uh, as a dove. To be aggressive is in the very nature of what God calls us to do. When I read through the Gospels and I see what Peter did after he was filled at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, when I see what Paul did when he went on his missionary travels, I do not see somebody that's sitting around waiting for permission to preach the Gospel out in public. I don't see that. I don't see people sitting around worried about being censored or even talking about that. No, they went out and proclaimed, and then they got arrested, and they said, you can't say that anymore in this place. And, you know, Peter said, he said, that's fine. I'm going to do what God wants me to do and not what you're telling me to do. Woo! In the middle of the court case. And the funny thing is, he wasn't standing in front of the law. He was standing in front of the established church at that point. Guys, if we are going to reach the lost, people are going to say things about us. Even other churches are going to say, well, that's where sinners go. Praise Jesus. Yes, it is. Praise Jesus. This is where sinners go. I want, I want this place packed with sinners, not just all you sinner folks. <laughs> I want it packed with sinners. I want it packed with people that that are hung over. I want it packed with people, and I love the pastor who said this once. He goes, I want a place where people are raising their hand with one hand to worship and holding their wallet. Think about it. What did Jesus do? He went after the lost. Amen? He didn't go after the ones that thought they were righteous. Good luck converting somebody who thinks they're right. Good luck arguing with somebody who thinks that they're right. You cannot change somebody through arguing, but if you get a person that knows that they're desperate for change, if you get a person desperate to, to see hope, desperate to see life, desperate to experience love, that's a world of difference. Amen? Because they need Jesus and they know it. What, what, what is this? Uh, he's got buttons. All right. All right. I subdivided. <laughs> all right, we're not going to get through all of them, I don't think. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think. There's not any more up there with numbers, is there? Well, I'll show it up there. Sorry. Yeah, and then I got one after this that I'm going to have verbally. You will grow closer to Jesus Christ in 2020. Actually, this is the main one. Here, everything else, guys, if, if we pack this place out, but you, you are following Jesus less, we've lost if you fill your row with people and you do everything right, but you're farther away from God, we're not winning. This, this, is, this is the crucial element of all of this, right? If, if we're closer to Jesus Christ, we're going to do all of this better. How many of you want to be closer to Jesus Christ in 2020? Yeah. Amen? Amen? So here's, here's the thing we've done sometimes negatively. We, we, we say, well, I just want you to grow personally in your devotion to Jesus Christ. You need this personal relationship. I believe you need a personal relationship, but when I see the Gospels and I see what Jesus did, he had 12 other guys with him. All the time, there's somebody else. So, so when we think of our faith, I don't want you to think of it just as your faith. I want you to think of it the other brothers and sisters that are close to you, around you, that you know. Like, you're responsible for them too. 
and they're responsible for you. There's some accountability here, okay? Amen? So I don't want any of us saying, well, I'm just going to follow Jesus so hard that I hate everybody else. No, no. We follow Jesus together, amen? We follow Jesus together. When that, if we, if we, sometimes we can get so full of head knowledge, we get critical of others, but that's not what God calls us to do. Let's expand our capacity in order to serve his people with provision and purpose, amen? Habakkuk. Everyone say Habakkuk. 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 Two, one. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. Be clear about who you are in your faith and in your life with your kids and in your family at work and everywhere you are. I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus. It's very clear. Do not be ashamed of what God has called you to do. Be very clear on who you are. And, and, and you may say, well, I don't understand exactly who I am. All you need to know is that, that you serve the king that you are following Jesus and his orders, amen? And, and when you have that in your mind, then all this other stuff kind of is fluff, it goes away. Like, I'm going to do what God's will is in my heart and life. I'm going to follow God very, very strongly, very aggressively. If I, I know this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to apologize about it. I'm not going to apologize for what God wants. So we need to, to be aggressive when it comes to that vision. And as a church, we've talked about this so many times, but I'm going to say it again. And, and, and this all folds into this. At ABC, we accept people where they are, amen? And in fact, we try to go out and seek them. We try to bring them in. We accept them where they are. Even when they're in sin, they should be in church. That's the best place to be. You don't want healthy people in the hospital. You bring them in, right? All right? So accept them, accept people where they are so that they can what? Believe in Jesus. That's, that's where we want them to grow closer to him, right? And then care for others. What does that do? It creates a loop all the way back around. We accept people, right? So if we care for others, then we accept them. And this is what God is calling us to do as a congregation, as a church. Amen? Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the one that provides the vision. Jesus is the one that provides the purpose. Jesus is the one that gives us the law so that we don't cast off restraint and so that we follow within his boundaries. Know your word. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Um, Maybe you have different goals for us individually. You have different purposes uh, for us in, in our hearts and lives. Uh, but I know that you've called us together for a purpose, that everyone in here right now has been predestined to be here before the foundations of the earth in order to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. Jesus, I pray that we would get close to you. Lord, I pray over everyone in here right now that that you would grow them spiritually deep in you, that their roots would go deep into your word, that they would understand your spirit in a new way in 2020, that you would release yourself upon them and that they would know you, that they would hear your voice, that they would pray deeply, that those people who are going to have visions and dreams would have visions and dreams of what you have for them that the leaders would be able to lead, that the, the people that train people would be able to train. Lord, I pray that you would make us a functional body of Jesus Christ, that we would view uh, our coming in here as a training ground, as a mission field, as a place to, to get going and not just be. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with love and compassion for other people. That, that you would help us to accomplish more than we can ever believe because you're the one doing it. Lord, I pray that people look at us and just go, really, how'd they do that? That must be God. That must be God. That's a work of God that's happened. 
because it's beyond us. Lord, I know that we serve a big, 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 great God. God is good. God is good. And Lord, I pray that you have free permission to rule here, that you have free permission to allow your spirit, Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ's passion and love would burn through us that it would just seep out of every pore, that everything we do would be covered in that. That when people put their tires on the parking lot, when they step into the door, that they sense the presence of God is real and is strong here. Lord, help us not to hurt that. Help us to be living in unity and purpose. And Lord, I pray over everyone here right now that you would make them whole so that they can be serving others. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yes.